Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. This is Marcy hosting today, as always, with me, Kim and Katie. How are you, ladies? Hi, guys. Hi, everybody. Well, How are you, Mars? Oh, I'm I'm good. Well, I yeah, I'm I'm, I'm well. Uh, Mercury, Mercury <laughs> He's not sure. Give her a minute. Still, I mean, that Mercury retrograde is still totally kicking my butt, like it usually does. Just all of the weird things that have been happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, please end. (laughs) And of course my birthday falls on it this year. So that should be interesting. When's that? Oh, it's on Sunday. (gasps) Happy Sunday. This Sunday, 30, 38 years old, pushing 40 ladies. Wow. I remember when I was 29 and I was terrified to, (laughs) for my 30th birthday. And I got to say, I was telling someone this the other day, I feel like every year really does get better and better in some way. So I'm Mm -hmm. reflecting on year 37 and even it's interesting how my birthday coincides somewhat closely with the new year. So it really is a time for reflection. And I used to hate that my birthday was in January because, you know, the weather's not always that great and it's so close to Christmas and this and that. But now I'm like, I kind of like that. It does feel like kind of one big temporal landmark. So start of the new year, start of new year for me. Um, and I was, so I did one of those like highlight posts of recapping my year on the new year and looking back and I was like, wow, a lot of really good stuff did happen. So it was a very challenging year, you know, emotionally for many reasons, but I got to say like maybe 37 was my best year yet for in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but, but it feels good. So people hate their thirties and I was like, no, it's better than your twenties. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> and I don't, I've never come across somebody who has not said their forties is better than their thirties. It's but. true. Forties are better. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard that as well. Yeah. My Marcy, are you going away? You had talked about maybe going to Utah for your birthday. Uh, no, not for my birthday. Michaela and I are talking about maybe going for or me going out there Valentine's day weekend. So her husband just deployed. So she'll be gone. And obviously <laughs> the only man in my life is Wesley. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I do not celebrate Valentine's day. So we'll see. I haven't booked the trip, but I might do that. Okay. But anyway, enough about me ladies. Uh, my big news is that I'm very excited about Wordle. Have you guys tried? Wordle? Oh, I I'm just seeing it that. everywhere. It's um, fun. What is it? Tell me more. You, it's a, it's not even an app. I assumed it was going to be an app. You just go to wordle.com. So the word word, L-E, wordle.com. And every day you're given a new puzzle and everybody gets the same puzzle. Well, all English language speaking people get the same puzzle. And it's a five letter word every day. And you have, I think it's six chances to try and guess the word. And you randomly just literally, you just put a word in and then hit enter. And it shows you like which letters are right or wrong, or which, and you keep trying to guess it's really fun. So I do it. My husband does it. And my daughter does it. And so you get one new puzzle every day. And I like that because then it controls how much time you can spend on this thing. It's not like a time suck as in like, I like this game and I'm going to spend hours on it. Could you literally get one puzzle a day? I was going to say that coincides very nicely with our topic for today's episode, but before we go into that, 
I want to hear from Katie. So now thank oh. you, Kim, for something that's going to suck me in. I know, right? That's all <laughs> but I, I promise. It's like five minutes. Maybe like if you're really struggling with a word, maybe 10 minutes a day, but usually and you can only do one a day. So you're not only, just like, they're literally, they only release one a day. And then like, you can share it. Like sometimes I've shared on my stories. You can kind of show your pattern that shows how long it took you, how many chances it took you, but it doesn't show the word because everybody has the same word. Oh, Got it. Oh, neat. Interesting. Well, yeah. okay. Try Wordle. I will try Wordle. <laughs> Katie, <laughs> anything new and exciting with you? I don't know. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking at us on the Zoom call because we all get to see each other when we record. And I see how red my face still is because I did a Peloton ride this morning. And Mars, I commented on a post that you just shared that I loved about cardio because I, in my stories over the weekend, said kind of the same thing. And that is, shit, this is fun, but it is literally destroying me. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I am at that point where I'm, it's, I'm doing it again, maybe three times a week because it really does. I enjoy it. And, and that's the only reason for me ever to do cardio is if I enjoy it. And it's probably why I was, didn't do it for so long because I definitely overdid it um, for a long period. And then I kind of dip my toe back in, particularly when it's so cold, it just kind of feels good to sweat. And now I'm like bordering on this behavior that's a little bit obsessive. Like I want to keep doing it. And I kind of have to pull back a little bit um, because strength training is, isn't always forever will be my number one priority. And I feel like putting in something like the Peloton any more than three times a week is too much for me. But I just right now, am like, I've fallen in love with it again. So anyway, to wrap all this up, I see how red my face is, feel how tired my body is. And um, it's a nice, not so gentle reminder that like, yeah, this is, this is for my head and, and yeah, it's great for my heart, but man, the fact that the fallout of a ride like that in the morning is like pure exhaustion the rest of the day, it's not mm. super helpful for me. Well, yeah. awareness is always the first step. So now you know, <laughs> yes. and, and, and moving forward, Hello, right? my name is Katie. <laughs> I'm addicted to Peloton. Oh, all of this stuff is going to tie in so nicely to our episode, but mm. yeah, no, I, I understand. So I think you realize, all right, I really enjoy this, but I have to listen to my body. I have to respect, I have to respect my body enough to listen. And Mm -hmm. if it is sending me the biofeedback signals that three times a week, ain't it anymore, then maybe I need to pull back because I don't want things to, you know, hit the proverbial fan at some point. Yeah. You know, know it. Yeah. I wrote a post the other day. It was like, yeah, it's not a matter of if it backfires, it's a matter Mm. of when it backfires. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, I started a little bit of cardio myself, just uh, one day per week for now, because I'm lifting five days per week. So anything more than that sounds a little aggressive, but mm-hmm. I do, I, mean, I don't enjoy it in the moment. Like, let's be honest. Of course. Really boring. <laughs> and I do not miss high intensity cardio whatsoever, but what Jordan Syatt talks about, like this zone two cardio, mm-hmm. which is, it's basically just a level above an outdoor walk, let's say. So your heart rate is getting somewhat elevated. Like but, an incline walk, maybe? Yeah, like an incline. Uh, well, it zone one have would to be, be like an outdoor walk. Okay. And then zone two might be like a slight incline walk. So your heart rate is getting a little bit elevated. So maybe that, what, Kim, 65, 75%. Max heart rate zone. Um, the, the really good way to tell is, is the talk test. Like talk if, test. You can, if you can still talk, that's good. You, you want to be able to still get out your sentences. Um, but it shouldn't feel like super easy. Like I'm strolling, but if right. you're like not able to continue having a conversation, you're not in zone two anymore. Okay. Right. But, but it is enjoyable and you get that, 
endorphin rush mm-hmm. or high, um, maybe not in the middle of it, but after mm-hmm. I always feel good. So yeah. And it's good for the heart. Good for your health. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it. it's just fun for a change too. Like if you're yeah. anything like me, where weight training has really been your focus for the last probably three or four years now, it's just fun to throw something new into the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to try boxing. I keep saying that I'm going to mm. do that. Like I kind of, like, I don't really love yoga anymore for some reason. I know probably I need yoga. The fact that I don't love it is telling me that I need it. Like not the high <laughs> intensity, but <laughs> that gentle stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, boxing is a good way just to get out some aggression. <laughs> So anyway, well, what we are going to talk about in today's episode is essentially resisting temptation. So we all feel tempted from time to time and how can we set ourselves up for success? How can we curate our environment in a way where we have to rely less on willpower, self-control, all those things that people say that they don't have, which I'm going to dive into that as well at some point in the to- or in the podcast, because I really do believe that when you say that it is a bit of a fixed mindset issue, it's not that you lack willpower or self-control. You're just putting yourself into situations where you have to use it more. And then, you know, if your willpower is getting depleted throughout the day, because you're stressed, you're making decisions, whatever, then, you know, come nighttime, you haven't been feeding yourself well enough all day. Uh, then that willpower battery is somewhat drained. And if you've got cookies and bottles of wine lying around the house, staring you in the face, then yes, it's going to be much more easy to dive into those when maybe you're telling yourself that you don't want to. So this uh, was really sparked by the idea for this was sparked by a book that I am reading right now called Dopamine Nation. I've shared about it a couple of times on my story. Katie, I know you just read a book called The Molecule of More, which is essentially the same thing. It's sitting on my shelf. So that's going to be my next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the author, her name is Dr. Anna Lemke. She's a psychiatrist at Stanford. So she's talking all about dopamine and how, you know, we're all essentially, I don't want to say dopamine addicts because, you know, there are various forms of addiction, but we are all seeking out dopamine hits in one way or another. So, you know, Kim, when you were talking about this new game, you know, it's very easy. Like that's a dopamine hit. It really is. You know, um, Katie high intensity exercise, dopamine hit, caffeine, Mm -hmm. dopamine hit, like it's coming at us all day long. And, uh, basically we have this, uh, think of it like a teeter totter. So when you, um, seek out dopamine and you experience that hit, then the teeter totter kind of like goes down to one side and then now it's going to have to level out and it goes back to the other side. So it's like the dopamine hit is the pleasure. Now it has to balance out and it always goes to the side of pain and yeah, now you're always trying to find that equilibrium. So, mm-hmm. and typically you need more and more in order for that to happen. So it can be a very slippery slope and it, it's not easy in mm-hmm. a society that is really at this point built for that. And, you know, our, our brains really haven't caught up from prehistoric times for us to be like, okay, no, that is that's not what I need right now. And I'm going to, you know, self-restrain. So mm-hmm. that is today's topic and yeah, let's dive in. So we've talked about it a little bit 
in the past and the last time we discussed this was when we did the the taste testing episode around the holidays and people were like how do you have that all on your counter and not eat it all <laughs> right so we were like yeah we we curate our environment for success mm -hmm. so kim i'm going to throw it to you to start off because i know this is something that you talk about quite a bit if you have clients or even for yourself because i've seen you do this on your stories like there's something in your house because you have a big family, you know, teenagers, whatnot, who might not be on the same path as you. So if they are bringing, oh, like we were talking before we started, gluten-free uh, cookie dough <laughs> that is not not low calorie. Yeah, yeah. Not that I love. How do you resist that in a fat loss? Because you're in a fat loss phase. Yeah, I am. And actually, that's not the the worst of what's in my house right now. The gluten free cookies, they were fine. Like I was like, I could eat these. I tasted one, and I I, I honest to goodness tasted it because I'm like, how gross is this going to be? <laughs> um, but it was fine. Um, not something I'm going to be like, ooh, can I have another? But you know what is in my house right now? We have a dear friend who's in Girl Scouts and we got our message last weekend. It's cookie time. You want to support Maya? And of course I do. And my family loves Girl Scout cookies. And so I ordered what everybody wanted and, you know, shipping them off to my kiddo who's at college. But we have a whole bunch of Girl Scout cookies in our house right now. Last year, I was unable to eat a single one because chocolate was on my no list for my throat. And this year, like, I'm able to handle a bit of chocolate. And so my husband just, he piled them all on the counter. Like they were literally all on the counter. And so I was like having a couple the other day and, you know, putting it in my food log. And finally I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm just going to clean out a spot in the snack cupboard because if they're not here, I'm not going to like, every time I come in the kitchen, why would I think about Girl Scout cookies? But why would I not if they're literally there and they're bright green and red and purple mm -hmm. boxes? And so just open the cupboard, clean up spot, put them all in there. It's just, it makes it so much easier and it sounds so simple. And for some people that might not even be enough. Like that's too close, like in that cupboard. For me, I, the only time I really go in that cupboard is unless I've decided to have a snack is in the morning when I help my daughter make lunch. So, you know, if you're a mom with younger kids and you're constantly in and out of the snack cupboard, helping your kids, that's not a great place to put it. Or if you feel like it's still calling you through that, through that door, that's right next to the fridge where you're cooking dinner and getting your fruit and vegetables, let's put it in another closet. Let's put it outside in the garage. Let's put it, you know, up in the spare bedroom. There's so many different layers of places you can put it to help you. So it's just that little bit more friction that like causes you to pause and think. Am I really going to walk up two flights of stairs, go into the spare bedroom? It becomes much more conscious than it's sitting here on the counter, right? So mm -hmm. it's, you're making a very clear decision that you're going to eat the cookies and there's nothing wrong with eating cookies, but if the problem is you're eating too many, then that's an issue for you. And so you really are making that clear decision. I will go upstairs. I will open that door to the spare bedroom. I will open the dresser and get the cookies, mm -hmm. which is so much more work than just like it's on the counter cookie hand in box, eat the cookie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because I got rid of all of those snacks that we taste tested because they, like, they really weren't doing it for me. So I don't even think I ate them. I just threw them away to be honest with you. But for whatever reason, I kept those like the beverages that I tried. So oh, it was yeah, a, yeah. like a ginger cranberry thing, uh -huh. thinking that maybe I would bring it over to my parents' house for Christmas. And I still have three of them. It was a box of four uh -huh. in my cupboard. I put it on the very bottom shelf just because it was like, I have no desire to drink this and I don't really want it like 
taking up space with my other stuff that I use more often. So I put it on the very bottom shelf and like completely forgot about it to the point where I didn't bring it over for Christmas. But yeah, totally that out of sight, out of mind. And let's be honest, like I didn't feel tempted by it. So I think it's easier to forget about it. So if it's something that, you know, you really have more of an impulse for, then it can make it more difficult. So like, I'll share a story from the book. There was this guy who was an alcoholic or, or just struggling with alcohol. And he really wanted to quit. So what he did is he had his wife lock up the alcohol in like a filing cabinet and she had the key. So if he wanted the alcohol and he was going to give himself, you know, very strict timelines as to when he could have it, he would have to ask her for the key or she would have to open the cabinet. Well, she went out of town one day and I can't remember exactly how the story went, but he went into the office because like he couldn't get the wine. It was a bottle of wine. He could not get this really nice bottle of wine off of his mind. He goes into the office and he realizes that the door to the cabinet is slightly ajar. And he was like, oh, I'm going to find a way to open this. So he goes out, he gets to the garage, he gets his tools and he's trying to open it enough so he can get the bottle out. Well, he couldn't, but he was able to get it enough where he could like uncork it and then find, and then he went and got a straw and drank the bottle through the straw. Wow. Like, so it's like, you can, I mean... <laughs> Right. If you want something bad enough, like sometimes yeah. I see the look on Kim's face, like that's crazy. Right. Like, I don't think many of us are going to go to, to that extent, but same thing, you know, and she shares other stories in the book about clients, like one guy, I'm not going to tell you what he was doing. Um, but she was like, you need to throw this thing away in the garbage. So he did. And then he went into the garbage and got it back out. So yeah, I think that if you're really, really struggling with something, then those physical boundaries may not be enough, but they are absolutely a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that she said was there's this thing, it's kind of like a bread box. So if it's like, let's say the cookies, right? You put it in this bread box type of or apparatus, and then you set a timer. So like, you cannot get into that thing. Like it is just so solid that a hammer probably wouldn't you know, do it, but yeah. When the timer goes off, then you can have access. So I think there's something really smart to that. And I was just thinking about Kim, your process, you know, with putting them upstairs. I feel like you sort of touched on this, the difference between just picking it up off the counter and putting it in your mouth and going upstairs to me, the big glaring evidence there is time. It's not even work. It's time. Like, because to your point about the straw, or let's just say like eating a piece of cake out of the garbage or something that like, that's, relative, I use the quote, easy, easy to do. Right. But the time it takes and like the mental, um, like commitment you have to make between point A to get to point B to actually eat the cookie or whatever we're talking about requires a little bit of awareness or a little bit of this is the, this is what I'm doing to get to this point. A decision is being made. Exactly. A decision has been made here. Right. And you really need to commit to that. And sometimes if you just give yourself a hot second of awareness, you're like, okay, that's really not what I need to do. It feels like what I want to do because in the moment I have all of these like hormones coursing through my blood telling me, do it, do it, do it. But if you just take a step back and breathe for a minute and, and maybe you can do that in the time it takes you to go out to the garage freezer or whatever, sometimes you get a new level of awareness and, and, and like this light bulb goes off where you're like, okay, that was dopamine 
driving those actions 10 seconds ago, but now I'm in the here and now, and I can control this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talk a lot about practicing the pause, surfing the urge. There are different ways that you can say it, but it really is powerful. Give yourself 10, 20 minutes. You know, maybe you do need to distract yourself. I think so many people are uncomfortable with the silence and just sitting there Mm -hmm. not doing anything like, you know, I'm just going to sit on my hands and like, hope this feeling goes away. So yeah, maybe a way that you practice the pause is to distract yourself with something else. So go for a walk, clean something out. And then yeah, nine times out of 10, if not always like that urge passes. Yeah. I also, I really like Mel Robbins five second rule. Do you guys, Mm -hmm. are you aware of that? You guys tell me that. That's amazing. I like it a lot. And I think it, it helps with the idea of telling ourselves no, I've gotten to, you know, I've gotten to be a Can you explain it, Kim, for anyone who doesn't know it? Absolutely. Um, So the idea is literally you count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, and then you do the thing that you know you want to do. So whether that's getting out of bed, or for me, here's where I need to use it, guys, going to bed at night, because there's always one more project I want to work on, or like, I've worked so hard, I do that like procrastination thing of I want some me time to like read my book or play my word game or whatever it is, right? And so for me, I have to to force myself to go to bed. And so I can do that five, four, three, two, one. It's a way for me to tell myself, no. I've gotten really good at telling other people no, which I used to not be good at. And maybe you're a person who's listening to this. You're like, I'm not really good at telling other people no. I've gotten to be really accomplished at that. (laughs) Like I can easily be like, I'm not doing that. But I do have a harder time telling myself no about like, it's time to go to bed, like get up and go take your medicine and do the things. Um, Or, you know, it's time to stop work and go exercise now, Kim, because you're going to regret it if you wait till three o'clock, because then you're going to be tired. I know that. And so I'm working to tell myself no. And I use that five, four, three, two, one. You count backwards, you start at five and it has to go backwards because if you go forwards, the issue is you could always just keep adding numbers on, right? You count forever. But when you get to one, like you're not going to be like zero, negative one, right? And so you count off like a rocket ship and then you just start moving to do the thing that you want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And that really helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So Katie, one of the things that you were saying before we started recording was the different ways in which you can, and I call like self-bind, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And you said something about spiritual Mm -hmm. binding. (laughs) And I was like, oh, can you explain more about that? What that is? So how does spiritual binding, what is it for you and how do you apply it in these situations? For me at this point, it is going back to listening to my body, to getting out of my head, my logical, like masculine authority head where it's like, there's steps and there's processes and there's all sorts of like rigidity. And then kind of just turning inward and thinking, okay, but what does my body really need right now? Like I am craving something in the kitchen, but do I actually just need a break from work? Like, do I actually just need a little bit of fresh air? Do I actually need to just stand by the window and get some sunshine on my face for a minute? So for me, that's again, it's not, and it's not, it's not rigid and it's not a boundary in the traditional sense. It's uh, the idea of some self-binding of a more intuitive practice. And if my body really says, yeah, I really am craving sugar or something right now, what could that mean? Does that mean I haven't eaten in a long time? And so my body needs some pure energy. And so maybe I will have a cookie, but along with that cookie, I'll also have, you know, 
I don't know, banana and some peanut butter so I can get, or, or some, some protein of some sort too. So I can kind of round out what it is my body needs. So it's less about just getting after that impulse immediately and finding a little bit more, um, from like self-source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, now that I think about it, I do absolutely have a spiritual form of self-binding. So I think I've talked openly on the podcast before, but years and years ago, I went through the, the 12 step process, which is, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, not because I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict, but I had this kind of like addiction to negative thoughts, so to speak. Um, and so I think that that process can work for anything in your life. Um, it is such an exercise in awareness, radical res- self-responsibility. And I continue to work that process, you know, on basically a daily basis. I have a weekly meeting where I meet with other people who are going through it as well. And I really had a revelation, maybe just like a month ago, how, how important that meeting is for me, because I filter pretty much every decision that I make through the lens of like being in integrity to one myself, but also those people, you know, like, I don't want to come back and like, we're all human. We're all flawed. We're going to make mistakes. Like, I mean, there are definitely times when I do come with my tail between my legs and it's like, Oh, I did that thing again. But you know, more often than not, it really does help me just like, yeah, take that beat. Be like, okay, who do I, who do I want to be in this moment? Do I want to be in integrity with myself, with other people? And that could be enough to be like, no, I am not going to, to do that thing. Mm-hmm. No. Um, so, and then I always talk about the pillow test. So I use this, this with my clients a lot, but really honoring the future version of yourself. So when my head hits the pillow at night, do I want to feel proud of my decisions? Do I want to feel that kind of like pain of disappointment? Like, oh man, you know, I did it again. Um, and, and that can really help me make decisions in the moment. Um, then yeah, what would the future version of me, like, what would she be doing or what do I need to do in order to become her? So, so that's kind of like taking things <laughs> a little bit far when it comes to, um, you know, boundaries and all of that. So what are some other ways that, people can put those self-finding practices into place. Like maybe it's not food or alcohol. Maybe it is the cell phone. Like what are some, and I guess maybe I'll, I'll take the wheel on this because I had a conversation recently with a client who was trying to spend less time on her phone. And she's like, I, I need my phone in my pocket all the time. You know, I've got kids and like, what if someone needs me? And then she kind of realized like, okay, I probably don't need the phone with me every second of the day. So she's, started by putting it in another room, which I think can be helpful, but was still kind of feeling that urge to, to be on it. Or when she did pick it up to see if she had a text message, make a phone call, then there's that desire of wanting the dopamine hit, like going to social media to scroll. So I was like, well, maybe you just need to take those apps off your phone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier, okay, to actually go back on Instagram. Now I've got to re-download the app and all of that. And in the moment that might be too much of a barrier to want to do. Um, so I suggested that, but also give yourself a specific time limit or a certain time of day when you allow yourself to scroll. And then at that time, go add the app, excuse me, add the app back on and give yourself the opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's great advice, Marcy. I really like that. I've done that myself. 
I think another thing that can help is to remind ourselves of what it is we're trying to achieve and what the positive thing is we're trying to add into our lives. Like, why are we doing all this telling ourselves no stuff anyway? You know, with the phone, like, what is the reason this woman wants to have less time on her phone? Like, to really be cognizant of, like, I want to be less on my phone so I can be more present with my kids. Mm -hmm. So I can be, you know, so I can be um, thinking about things um, other than what's on my social media, right? So I can spend more time reading books, whatever it is, like, to really focus our attention on what it is we're adding versus the thing we're telling ourselves no about. And mm -hmm. so when it comes to like health behaviors, so, you know, when you're telling yourself no for, you know, more than two or three cookies, okay, like, what am I trying to add in? I'm trying to add in, you know, fitting in those clothes that are in my closet. I'm trying to add in, you know, being able to play with my grandchildren more easily on the playground. So really trying to bring it back to, even though I'm telling myself no here, what am I trying to say yes to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And value system. I think it always goes back to what are my values and we don't get clear on that enough. It's just very much the surface level. So like you said, like, oh, I want to fit into my genes, but you know, what about that is a value system of mine, or what about being healthy is a value system of mine. And that can really, yeah, I think make it easier to delay that instant gratification, knowing that there is going to be a much bigger or more fulfilling reward on the other side of that. So just like you said, Kim, with this client of mine, it was very much like, I want to be present for my kids. She homeschools three kids. Mm. You know, that that's, <laughs> I've oh, been so there, you. done that. I forgot that. I forgot. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and, and she realizes that when she is not as present, then her kids are a little bit more chaotic because yeah. they're probably needing, they want that attention and yeah, young people can't always express themselves in a calm, rational, thoughtful way. They're going to, you know, kind of have those outbursts to get your attention. I yeah. think too, that's a, an interesting point, like is to kind of know your triggers too. what can sometimes set you off in a moment. And because here's the thing, like your brain will always cue you to old habits. Like it wants homeostasis, right? So if you know that like, when your kids come home from school and all hell breaks loose and their backpacks are all over the kitchen and you need to just start getting dinner ready and it's all unfolding in like 45 minutes of your day, that's when you open the glass of wine or pop open the bag of chips or whatever. You know that that's your trigger, okay? What can you do possibly before the kids come home or the day before or the hour before to kind of help you? Is it, you know, is it have a snack before, you know, while you're in, in car line waiting to pick them up so at least you're not hungry when all of this is going on? Is it to, um, maybe make their lunches, you know, maybe meal prep your kids' lunches. Like, I'm just like, this is just kind of off the top of my head, but maybe you always drive home past Chick-fil-A. Maybe you take, you know, a different route home. So you don't swing into the drive-through with your kids in the car, just kind of understanding what sets you off. I think because that again, it comes back to awareness, but that can completely shape shift the situation. If you can adjust the landscape a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. I remember I used to during that witching hour. Wow. That's hard stuff. Like the time, like that three 30 to like yes. five thirty time with the kids, the time from when they get home from school till after dinner, all of that. Um, sometimes I would actually prep all the dinner stuff before they'd get home yeah. as much as possible. So that during that time, I wasn't trying to like manage what they needed and manage the dinner prep too, just to take one more layer of stress off of me. Mm -hmm. um, and that really, 
that really did help. Cause that was for me for sure. The time that I also was craving, like, I'm going to have a granola bar or two. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that so, is a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I was able to be like, okay, like I don't have outside responsibilities for this chunk of time, like to make the dinner or to do whatever, like I can really pay attention to the kids. It would be more enjoyable. And that urge to like go, you know, munch on granola bars to get through the stress of it wasn't there as much. Mm-hmm. Well, Kim, you said the S word, so I'm going to bring it up stress and stress and self-control or willpower are not friends. So the more stressed yeah. out you are, the more easily and quickly your willpower is going to get depleted. So a lot of times, again, people say, I have no willpower. I have no self-control and no, that's really not it. Like you do have willpower and self-control. We all, I don't say we start with a full battery because sleep is the other S like sleep will impact willpower and self-control as well, which is why it's so important to get a full night's sleep because that is kind of what uh, recharges your proverbial self-control battery. And then again, it does get depleted throughout the day. If you do not find ways to restore it or, you know, plug it back in mm-hmm. and stress management is so important for that. So periodically throughout the day, how can you find ways to, we're not going to get rid of the stress completely, but at least do something to reduce it a little bit, just to kind of like buy you some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely everything seems impossible too, until you inch a little bit closer. I think that's the other thing is like small progress. It at like little by little by little becomes a lot. And so even if, you know, you, you hit the pill that night and you're like, wow, I didn't necessarily crush the day, but I also didn't open a bottle of wine after I had all of these cookies. And in the past I would have done both. And I think reflecting on that and, and trying to kind of interpret it for what went right. Like what happened that made the day better? So it's not so all or nothing, black or white. I made it or I didn't make it. Like I, you know, finessed my way through this day as best I could. It might not have been pretty. I stumbled my way through it, but it was also an improvement over what things might've looked like a month, two months, a year ago. And like, let's celebrate that too. Absolutely. And then that ties into, okay, if this went well, why did that go well? And how can I replicate that moving forward? Because mm-hmm. obviously I found a way for me to be successful. So again, you know, it's trying not to continually reinforce the, the issue that you think you have, like the negative one or the bad behavior and find evidence for where you do have willpower. You do have self-control because you can like, and, you know, if you just seek out ways like, oh, in that situation I did. So now I have the evidence. Now I am rewriting that story about myself and knowing that having the awareness, I can repeat the thing that allowed me to keep that promise moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really quickly. I want to touch on the topic of abstinence versus moderation. So there's a woman named Gretchen Rubin. She has written quite a few books at this point about habits, behavior change, and she has quizzes that you can take to determine your personality type. Um, So one of those is the abstainer versus the moderator. So we talk about moderation all the time and I think we're all to an extent moderators, Mm -hmm. but some people just do better with complete abstinence and, and maybe that's okay. Maybe that's just how their brain is wired. So she herself talks about how she sticks to a very low carb diet. Like she loves French fries 
and has a difficult time controlling herself around them. And so she just says, you know, it is easier. My brain works better. If I just say like, no, I eat a low carb diet and that is just how it is for me. Do you ladies have any experience or thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good to know yourself and figure out which one works best for you. And I think people um, can use both of those at different times in their life, in different circumstances and for different things. I've gone through phases where I've definitely chosen to do fat loss phase and be um, an abstainer. It was just, it was a better fit for me at the time. Sometimes that works better for me if like my stress level is higher and there's a lot going on. It's easier for me than practicing moderation. I find for some people, um, specifically when I work with clients who've overeaten for many, many years and don't have a whole lot of practice with moderation, that abstaining for a time in the beginning can then really work. And then we can work more on moderation. But in the Mm -hmm. beginning, maybe moderation, it's too tall of a task. Um, And it's just easier to not for a bit. Um, And then we work on bringing back in whatever the things are and we practice moderation. So I don't think you have to choose either one. I I think that's maybe Gretchen's model. Like you're you're either one or the other. I kind of see it as you can be one or the other at different times in your life, in different circumstances for different things. Mm -hmm. Or even with different things altogether. Like I can easily moderate certain foods, but you know, like coffee, for example, like I have a more difficult time moderating coffee. So if someone was like, okay, you really need to cut down. Like maybe it's better for me just to cut it out completely. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting what you said about the homeostasis Kim, because going back to the dopamine nation book, that is one thing that she recommends to the majority of, if not all of her clients is a period of full abstinence. She has found that it's at least 30 days. So a week, two weeks for most people is not enough to bring that dopamine scale back to balance. You really need at least a month. And yeah, it's, it's hard in the beginning. You're going to have a little bit of that, perhaps, you know, withdrawal. So whatever that looks like for you, um, sometimes it's physical symptoms. Sometimes it's just that kind of like, you know, uh, your brain is telling you the, the stories like, Oh no, you really do want that. Like, and what I always say is like, it's hard until it's not eventually it does get easier. So yeah, abstaining, abstaining for a period of time can definitely be helpful. I think abstinence is easier. And I certainly use that word in quotes. Cause it's certain, like, like you said, there are some withdrawal symptoms in the beginning, but once you get past that, you, you kind of feel like a million bucks. I think the problem with, um, becoming an abstainer is it's really hard to make it sustainable in, in this world, in this life. And especially as your seasons change too, and you change as a person and, you know, things just evolve. I think, um, we have, I think flexibility is sort of the, the ultimate goal, at least for me, I, I feel like, yes, I know I can do, um, I can be an abstainer and it can get me to my goal, but I have learned that for me, the black white does not transcend life experiences the way the ability to be a moderator has been for me. So I'm still working on being a moderator. Like you said, Marcy, about your coffee, like I, I am every now and then I, I think about like what fresh hell have I gotten myself into now? Like when I'm trying something new or I'm trying to moderate something that I haven't been able to moderate in the past and it's just, just hard. Right. But that usually tells me that I'm doing something meaningful. And sometimes when we're growing, it actually feels like we're dying a little bit. But to me, that's the reminder that I am taking a step to do something that will benefit me in the future. So I'm kind of trying to embrace that that hard thing because like sometimes doing 
you know, the, the, the easy thing has a cost too, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a really convoluted well, answer, I know. Yeah, and it's interesting because we can also find loopholes to this kind of stuff. So, okay, I'm setting my, I'm setting the boundaries for myself, but your brain will try to trick you all the time. So, oh yeah, like I'm going to find a way to cheat the system a little bit. So Katie, when you were like, oh, Marcy and her coffee, my loophole is, well, at least it's decaf. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, it's not as bad as fully leaded. Um, so yeah, like another example is someone starts a, a gluten-free diet, not because they are celiac necessarily, but they will want to cut back on processed food. They feel like the, the chips, the cookies, the cakes, you know, that kind of stuff that are very, you know, glutinous are maybe impeding their progress. Like, Oh, I'm just going to cut out the gluten. Well, now gluten-free, the gluten-free industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. So as Kim was saying earlier with the cookie dough, you know, you can find very delicious gluten-free foods that are still highly processed, very calorie dense, likely not as, or maybe even more calorie dense than the real thing. So it's very interesting how, how that works. Mm, sure is. Yeah, so just, again, awareness, know thyself. <laughs> Anyone who's ever walked into a paleo bakery before knows like there is no difference when it comes to to a paleo bakery. These exist. Oh Oh, yeah, certainly they do. When Sam and Sarah and I were in London and Paris, like I am very much gluten and dairy free, specifically gluten dairy. I'll let slide. Uh, Those macarons are delicious in Paris. Um, But we went to a gluten-free vegan bakery And I got this pistachio loaf or like muffin and my mouth is watering. It was the most delicious (laughs) thing I have ever eaten in my entire life. You would never, you would never have known. No, it was gluten-free or vegan. So yes. I don't have any of those in my general neck of the woods, but I did just find out this week that we are getting both a crumble cookie and an insomnia cookie in our town in the next six months. So insomnia cookie, insomnia cookie. They're open. I think they're all night 24 hours. They're open super late. They're big in college towns. Yeah. My son, both of them, my son's college towns. He's gone to two universities and both of them had insomnia cookies and they get them and he really likes them. I've never had one. I don't think I've had a crumble cookie. Maybe I have but everyone's always raving about them. We're getting both of them, but we do not have a vegan nor paleo bakeries. <laughs> so I'm curious if crumbles ever going to come out with a gluten-free cookie. You would assume they would. Yeah, have they don't have one. No, I mean, not that I know of. So we have a crumble about 10 minutes from me. And again, being gluten-free, I don't step into that story. And I really am not tempted. I got to be honest, people share about those on their Instagram stories all the time. And they do not look appetizing to me. Like maybe it's just the aesthetic. I don't think they like aesthetically look very good, but I'm like, I'm interested. Not, <laughs> not, temp- not tempted. <laughs> Have you some are, me? some are pretty beautiful and, and works of art, but it's, I mean, do you remember there was a bit, I feel like we've kind of passed this on Instagram, but for a while I was getting all these ads from, uh, on Instagram about these cookies that are like six inches high and like, like bricks of dough. Maybe you ladies weren't seeing oh, these ads and it's just no. me. And I know they- <laughs> And then like people would, you know, it was a big deal. Like you'd cut it slowly and like everything on the inside would ooze out. And then it was, I mean, it was like, I, I those, those were big on the scene, like probably eight months or a year ago, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 
and and crumble kind of evolved to me like that was the next thing all of a sudden crumble came to town literally to my town and that's the like just the completely over the top version where you're putting things like cereal in it and it just just i mean things that you wouldn't even think about putting into a cookie but like chopping up candy bars and just making it so extreme and so excessive that it's almost like clickbait for your mouth like you're like yeah. oh my god that in my mouth yeah well, what's that girl, Kelsey, like Kelsey J fit or something? Oh yeah. My, my girl, my neighbor in Wisconsin. Yeah. Not yeah, my so neighbor. She lives near you. I, I feel well, like, like two hours. Put, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like she puts those on her stories quite a bit. So. She does. I think they're her. She like once a week, she has one with the uh, a, are those tall cookies. The, like the, one the, of the tall, massive, like, ho- like these, ho- these are like homemade cookies that people like make in their kitchens and mail them out. Like they're, oh. yeah. At least yeah. I think that's where she gets hers. Yeah, I think you're right. And they've got delicious filling in them. So yeah, those, those look to me way more tempting than mm-hmm. the crumble cookies. So crumble, if you're listening out there, <laughs> get your act together with the gluten. I, I know they are um, get your act together with the gluten free option. Cause I would taste test it for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. My and, girlfriend, and I did a taste test of crumble. Make, a, make one with raisins, right, Kim? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have to tell you, it's so funny. It really does crack me up. The things that I get like high response rates from on my Instagram, <laughs> like I'm not even talking about anything important. And all of a sudden, like I'm spending three days, like deep diving with people on something weird and the raisin cookie thing, like it was just a one-off comment I had made about like not having raisins and cookies. Wow. Did I hear from people? Are you pro or against? Oh no, I do not like raisins. Raisins and cookies are just, that's just mean. I I had too many experiences where I thought it was a chocolate chip cookie and it wasn't. (laughs) Most recently this Christmas, like my husband came home with this tin of cookies from a coworker. I swear you, I, I don't know if they tried to make them look like chocolate chips, it, I, and I tried one. I'm like, oh no, raisins. I'm like, oh, but this one's chocolate chips. And I'm like, oh no, still raisins. <laughs> the whole thing, there wasn't a chocolate chip in the bunch. I'm like, what is wrong with you? That's not effective. <laughs> so I think I've just been burned. I don't like raisins. And yeah, but what I found is like, wow, people are strong to one camp or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So many raisin haters just like me. We started a club. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like buy raisins just to eat plain, but I do when I used to eat cookies, I do like raisins and cookies. I'll be honest with you. So sorry, Kimmy. I guess I <laughs> still like you, but I don't get it. I don't like the texture. Like I don't want to bite into something squishy like that in my cookie. And I don't want fruit in my cookie. Like that's no. just the end of the day. I don't want yeah. fruit flavors. Fruit yeah, flavor yeah. in my cookie. It's just a no. Sorry, it, it's so funny about the things that you post on your stories that people have such a strong reaction to. So yesterday, and this is not food. Well, it is kind of food related, but I posted about my disdain for this specific food scale, which I, mm. I, I have oh, so I many that. scale. I have so many scales in the scale graveyard. Oh my gosh. Um, but I accidentally ordered the same one that I really don't like. And it's, you know, two days in already give me trouble. So I posted about it and so many reactions to that. I hate that damn thing. You know, like people who also have had a similar experience. So yeah, it's interesting what people get worked up about, you know? Yeah. It's kind of fun. Raisins I, and food I, scales. Yeah. Uh, Marcy, you'll need to tell us what the scale is. People ask me all the time, like my favorite food scaler. And I'm like, look, I've just, I've only owned two. One was from Target and one was from Amazon and they were both fine. As long as you get a digital scale, it's all good. But I'm thinking maybe there are scales that are better than others. Oh, there, there absolutely is. So I will pull it up right now. The one that avoid at all costs is the greater goods, digital food scale. It has 
122,445 reviews on Amazon. Um, average rating is four and a half stars. So those people are crazy. Uh, <laughs> one, I don't know what's wrong with them. Um, the one that I prefer is the, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It E-Tech City, E-Tech City, E-T-E-K-C-I-T-Y. Okay. Yes. And are they both from Amazon too. or where are they? Both from Amazon. Yes. Okay. So this one, I just reordered it. It's $15.99 worth every penny. <laughs> if you are a tracker. Yes. So there you go. Good tips. I think that's it. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, Tim, good next. luck with the rest of your launch. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, yes. So we can add that to the show notes. Yeah. Then- Fitter After 40 is open until Wednesday night at midnight. Got a couple dozen Ooh. ladies. Oh, we got 52 ladies already in there. If you want to join that, us. you're ready to make 2022 the year you get in the best shape of your life. Let's over go. 40. Yes. I'm ready Wednesday. for you. Right after my nap, I'm ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go take that nap. You deserve it. All right. Well, thanks, ladies. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.